Hospital Radio for Torbay. Hi, Paul here. Um, I'm with Graham Walker. Now, Graham, you may have seen Graham on the streets of Totnes selling cards and mugs in the high street uh, where he's raising money for charity. But his story is much more than that. Uh, from a difficult upbringing in Bristol to a troubled adolescence and then living for over 20 years on the streets, Graham, was it? Um, yeah, about 25 years, actually, about 25 years in total, yeah. And uh, now, as I say, you're raising money for charity as well now, and you've raised a lot of money, but I'd say the story is, is much more than that. So I thought the listeners might be interested just to have a feel of what happened, you know, how your life began, because you were brought up in Bristol. Yeah, I mean, briefly, I, I was brought up in um, within within an unfunctioning family, a violent father, um, weak mother, and um, and they weren't capable of looking after us. So uh, me and my brother were put into children's homes in my uh, I was eleven years old, and um, spent you know, it was a night sort of nineteen sixties children's homes, which weren't um, the best or even the safest environment to be in. Um, and from there, I um, went from children's home to children's home, and then traveled. So basically, I was itinerant, really, from from eleven years old, traveling from one children's home to another children's home, and then I became itinerant in as much as I I went round the southwest, um, finding jobs that were living jobs, and um, and moving again from job to job. Um, I settled down for a few years, uh, which I just it just didn't work for me really. Um, I got married and had two children whom I get on well with, very well with. They all appreciate me and respect me as I do them. And then um, after my marriage broke up, uh, life just went uh, went downhill and I, I, I was suicidal. And, um, and it came to a point where I just walked away from Bristol and, walked to work and started a new life by set, um, signing up as a big issue vendor. And that's when my second life, I was, it was almost a rebirth because then my second life started then. Yes. And um, there, there is a book, I know, um, Unsettled. Yes, Unsettled, yes. Um, yeah. Which is, is probably 15 years old now, I think. Yeah, maybe slightly less than that. Yeah, but yeah. 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 Um, which, which gives a feel for, for what happened. And I mean, I, I, I've read most of the book. I haven't finished it yet. But as I say, that the first part is, 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 is quite hard wrenching really yeah. when, you, when you read it it's a difficult read i think you even said that to me yeah be. yeah and then you decided really that you needed to try and turn yourself around as best you could yeah i mean most people look at becoming homeless as a pretty much a negative experience for me it was a, the most positive day of my life really uh, when i walked away um from um a childhood if you like i distanced myself from that childhood that it um uh, that it caused quite considerable damage and i just walked away and, and moved to plymouth and started selling a big issue but that the, the the day i became homeless it was just um i was free from all the all the all the stuff i'd been through yeah. as a child and um although i still made still had regular contact with my children who were with their mother um i i was i was free and and life really it's been it's been an enjoyable experience ever since really yeah and when it came to selling the big issue um you you had some sort of innovative ways of trying to get people to to pitch up and buy yours i think um yeah yeah, yeah. what do you, i mean i've seen pictures of a a stuffed dog yeah 
and uh, you you would it looks like a camera on your head or a light. On yeah, your CCTV head. on my head. Yeah. made out of a cardboard box and a polystyrene cup. Yeah, I I just felt that uh, when I was in a town, um, it was very much a um, people would look at you in disdain with disdain really, and um, and uh, there was this. I, I realised it was the assumption that people thought homeless people were lacked intelligence or were less intelligent than your average Joe. And I thought, and I wanted to, so I, so there was quite a few insults coming my way all the time. And I, I, I so it, it was basically a means of stopping those insults. I figured that if I put a, I used to have a board in front of me with sign, with signs saying things such as, um, please queue in an orderly fashion. Now, as far as I was concerned, if I could put a smile on someone's face, it was then very hard for them to throw an insult at me. So, so by doing that, by being creative and um, on my pitch and having the soft toy dog with a sign saying, please don't feed me, I'm stuffed. It created, um, it was a more, more of, it wasn't just me boring me, just holding these big issues out. I was actually entertaining people, if you like. Um, now, we, we met... Uh, a creative writing course. Yes, yes. Yes. I know which has moved. I moved on a bit of it. And we may come back to that. Right, yeah, uh, yeah. Proof time. Um, now in that you, you, you wrote a story. Now I don't know how much of it was true about Peter Penhalligan's pasty emporium. <laughs> is there some truth behind this? Yeah, there this? is some yeah. truth in there. Now, yeah. do, you, do you just want to do a brief synopsis well, the, of what happened? Well, the thing is when, uh, as a big issue vendor, um, people uh, buy, want to, want to, do something for it. Lots of people to help you, and which is admirable, really. I mean, and um, and often that help comes in in the form of food. And <clears throat> the only problem with that is that very few people ask what you want to eat. They just buy food for you and just hand it to you. Now I just find that a lot of the time is is because they they find it difficult to maybe interact to any extent with a big issue guy or a homeless guy um, I understand that but people just buy food they wouldn't ask if you were hungry they wouldn't ask if you were a vegetarian and unfortunately when I was in Dorchester my pitch was right next to a pasty shop and um, and in one day I had I believe it was 19 17 or 19 pasties given to me in one day and i didn't like pasties i'd lived in a hostel previously where, where every meal was a damn pasty so i really hated the pasties but um but you couldn't really i tried on two occasions i tried a mistake on my part i tried to when someone bought me a pasty i said no thank you i don't like pasties and the look of horror on her face it still haunts me to this day, thinking she's gone on to do this good deed and I've just thrown it back at her. So I never refuse the passes. I always accept, always accept them with grace and um, with the hope I could pass them on to someone more needy, really. It shows another side, of, I guess, of being homeless, and uh, which is, yeah. I mean, you, you almost make light of it in, in some respects now, but I know how difficult it must have been and some of the people that I see on the, uh, on the streets, because a, a lot of them, they're invisible. To a lot yeah. of people, and that's. Uh, but I, I've always, I mean, when I was um, in, um, I mean, I've had lots of insults, some really sad insults, really bad insults. And the worst thing I, I've found is when people, when parents actually encourage, which has happened on occasion, encourage their kids to insult me, passing their bigotry onto the next generation. Always a sad thing to see. 
But I get, I've had some crazy inside when I was in Tavistock. I just got into Tavistock, just started telling for half an hour, and um, a guy came up to me and says, what's a piece of like you to know not doing on our streets? I'd, but it just, I thought, wow, <laughs> what a welcome. But that was why I, um, and that's why I put all my my paraphernalia around and make people smile. And that's why I, I, I did, did fundraising. Every town, pretty much every single town, Newton Abbott, Totnes, Brixham, a, a few other towns. I've always, I've always, as a big issue vendor, I've always put something back into the town. It's a town that supported me in buying the big issues. I've always put something back into the town to thank the town for supporting me. So it's a two-way street. It's not just me taking, I'm actually giving back as well. And also confusing the bigots, if you like, thinking, what's that? homeless guy doing raising funds for local or local charities so um it was that was a real pleasure to do that and the big issue was a great platform for fundraising yeah fantastic magazine i mean i i, I buy it regularly yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know it's a it's a it's a good read i don't know for somebody who's not lived on the streets of myself i just feel like i'm doing something you know when, yes, I, when i'm yeah. buying it i you know i don't yeah. know whether it's you know but hopefully the people that i'm buying it from are, are yeah. getting some benefit from it I'm going to break and play a tune now. Okay, Graham. Yep, okay. Okay, Graham, let's, let's just talk about this fundraising. You've been doing this for 
a long time. Well, now, pretty you, much you, all my life, really. Yeah. yeah. Now yeah. you said to me you started at eighteen. I'm not going to. I'm not going to ask how old you are, but there was a few years. I'm ago. sixty-seven. Um, I started when I was eighteen. Me and my friends started up a, a little fundraising group called. Um, I can't remember what it's called now. Actually, anyway, we started at this. It was only just three of us, and we we had um, outdoor functions, and we did a raffle at the local pub every every week. The Sunday raffle uh, was left to us every week, and so I've always done. I've always been involved in 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 fundraising. I walked from Bristol to Liverpool, sponsored walk to raise money for my nephew's wheelchair. This is all be, prior to my becoming homeless. So when I did, so I I pretty much raised been fundraising since I was eighteen, but when I became homeless in my third early thirties, mid thirties, um, that was just natural progression, and in actual fact, as I may have said earlier, that the big issue platform, the big issue was a fantastic platform to fundraise from because it was the very last thing people expected a big issue guy to do would be to fundraise for the local community, and so consequently they were always very successful and i always exceeded my targets and um i'm proud to say that um uh, during my fundraising i've been raising funds since i've stopped selling the big issue but during my big issue days i raised over seventy thousand pounds for various towns all around the southwest and still doing it today although i think yeah. you're trying to bring it to a sort of conclusion yeah, i'm I, I don't know why I, I i've got this urge to fundraise it's almost like um i think we from childhood and stuff it's almost like I'm paying something back for something I've done wrong. I, although I've done nothing wrong, um, I didn't, you know, I was pretty much going to be a non-achiever, really, due to my childhood, I think. Um, but so it's always been, I've always felt, so it's not completely altruistic. I, I'm, I've always felt slightly guilty that I should pay something back to society. I don't know why, where that comes from. But, um, but yeah, since I stopped selling the big issue, um, uh, and stopped roaming around the southwest. I've raised a further um, eighty thousand um, pounds, mostly in Totnes, um, and I, I'd be I'm still raising funds up until Christmas, um, and, and then I should retire gracefully. <laughs> Believe that when I see it. Uh, you got a real fondness for Totnes. Why, why is that? Well, Totnes was the first town I did made a, a big fundraising in, um, and that was twenty. 22 years ago and it was a place um that was the most ex- accepted well, new, new, I'm new most times were accepting of me eventually um new but especially that was a beautiful time and i had some fantastic fundraising um experiences there um but totness um was immediately receptive and it was just almost uh for me it became a more like a, I mean, home. I don't know, is a um, often maligned word, but um, it, it felt more like home in Totnes than anywhere else. And so I, I sort of used it as my hub, if you like. So when I went travelling to various towns, Penzance, Taunton, Dorchester, wherever, um, I would always come back to Totnes, um, and then off I go again. It sort of used to energise me, and it's a place where I found my partner, who was, um, uh, yeah. So it, it's given me a lot, Totnes. But that was an interesting story in itself when you met your partner. I think you, you needed someone to pitch a tent, is that? Yeah, yeah. I just I just did some... I, when I first got to Totnes, I raised £2,500 to bring some kids over from Chernobyl who were um, used to come over for a respite holiday. And, and by being over here for a while, it would um, boost their immune systems against the radiation they were uh, living with over there. 
And um, a lady in a taxi used to um, stop every morning and drop me off a cup of coffee and a roll, cheese in any roll or whatever. And um, I got chatting to her a bit. And then within my issues, I always, always used to put a story, an anecdote or a poem in my, and get it photocopied and put it in my issues. Well, in this particular issue, I put in a request for some land to put my tent on. And Pip, the taxi driver, offered me her garden. And um, and at 10 years later, we were... Yeah, one uh, thing partners. led to another. Yeah, yeah, one thing led to another. <laughs> I mean, I, I... So, yes, but in... So, yes, we became an item. And we've been together now, uh, I suppose, 14 years. Fantastic. Now. That's fantastic. So, the book, uh, Unsettled, so um, it, I, th I think it was written... 2004-ish, something oh, was like that. Oh, yeah, right, okay, I, right. I, I was looking at the front of it, right. so it's, it's a while, while ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, but how, how did that come about? How did you come to write a book? Well, I, again, in Totnes, I actually already, already self-published, if like, a book. It was just a sort of small, stapled, 50-page book, um, which the local printer in Totnes, Vizes, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to produce it. I sold it for... Three ninety five, and it raised money for about three thousand pounds for local charities. But I wanted to produce it, but I didn't have the financial means to pay for the printing. So the printer actually produced a thousand books, gave me the books, and said, "Pay me when you can," which was amazing, uh, amazing trust. But basically, the, the book came around because in every big issue, every single big issue I sold, I never sold a big issue without putting an A four sheet of paper in it of mine photocopied which was an anecdote or a poem or um, an observation or something i had all these inserts hundreds of inserts and um when we put them all together they actually connected like a jigsaw puzzle like a journey if you like so um when a when a publisher saw my um a publisher from, from bath heard about these anecdotes and, and my yeah so i, I would put in, in, an insert in my issues every week and um and this publisher, when I when we got all these inserts together, they just fitted like a fitted together like a jigsaw puzzle. And the publisher said, "Look, if you can expand on this and, and make it a bit more of a story, then um, I'm happy to publish." And and he did. Yeah, so um, and it was the most and I, so my book was launched in Brixham on top of a, a waste paper bin, a rubbish bin <laughs> in Brixham, and I had a queue of about thirty people. Waiting. But and it was quite funny when I was in in Bristol and in um, Newton Abbott, actually. My book was for... I was selling the big issue outside Waterstones and my book was for sale inside Waterstones. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> so that's that. quite cool. That's great, isn't it? So is, is there a follow-up for this uh, the book? Well, I'm writing... When I... Because it's quite intense what I'm doing at the moment with the fundraising. Um, I'm retiring from that and I'm writing a novel called... I was... I... I, I just, just about, just about finished writing a, um, a small pocket book, which I'll be selling in Totnes, hopefully next week, um, called "The Torrid Tales of a Totnes Tramp." But I, but that's just a bit of fun. It's just a funny, amusing anecdotes of life on the street, you know. But I am in the process of writing. It's been in my head for about six years. I'm in the process of writing a novel called "Bone Valley," which is. Um, a crime novel which incorporates a lot of the experiences I've had on the streets, along with the characters of some of the fantastic characters I've met in the last 22 years on that street. Um, so it's been in my head for a while. So hopefully once my fundraising is over and I've actually 
properly retired, I can get stuck yeah. into that. You've got some time for yourself. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. That, that's that's next for Graham Walker, isn't yeah, it? That's yeah, that's next. And then hopefully I'll... And I'll, I'll, I'll print it myself. I get it printed myself and I'll sell it on the streets of Totnes because I'm fairly well known in Totnes. So um, they're, they're, all, they're quite a few clamouring for a copy of this book, definitely. So, um, yeah, because I, I just figure that I love working on the streets. So I love selling on the streets. Yeah. So it makes sense if I bring the book to sell it on the streets, yeah. you know. Bypass the middleman. <laughs> Don't let me darken brilliant. the door. It's not what I came here for. No, it's not what I came here for. And I won't hear you cry when I'm gone. I won't know if I'm doing you wrong. I never know if I'm doing you wrong. Constant reminder of where I can find her light that might give up the way is all that I'm asking for. Without her, I'm lost. Oh, my love, don't fade away. So watch the world tear us apart. A stoic mind and a bleeding heart. You never see my bleeding heart. Your light's always shining on And I've been traveling oh so long I've been traveling oh so long A constant reminder of where I can find her light That might give up the way Is all that I'm asking for Without her I'm lost on my love don't My love don't fade away. Okay, Graham. Well, you've been on the streets, and now um, you've got you've got your own place here in uh, Paynton, where we're sat at the moment. Um, it's not an easy situation though when you're on the streets and then finding a way out of it. I know a lot of people don't. And um, in your book, you, you you sort of cover cover that off. I always found. I mean, it was some dire. I've had some dire situations experiences i mean you know I, when i first went to plymouth i sat on a bush and a guy peed all over me he didn't he didn't know i was in the bush when i knew i was under a bush and he peed all over me um i sat rough when it's been bitter cold um but the thing that's um thing that i've always held on to is like um it's humor basically it's, so it's almost like being just having this golden thread of humor that I, that I pull on and it takes me through these experiences um and i when i see other people on the streets i mean you know i've seen big issue vendors who said oh my big issue sales aren't very good i said well smile you know um too many too, i saw too many that were giving it the poor me syndrome and telling and and pouring their their sad stories onto onto customers and I would never do that because I didn't know if there's that customer story was even inside of their mind. That could well have been. So I never ever, never felt sorry for myself. I just, um, I just smiled and um, and grasped as much humour as I I could out of every situation. I used to say, because um, I so I used to look on the positive side. So someone would say to me, Krems, how can you?" Because I started off sleeping on a bench, basically, then a tent. Then a customer gave me a car. 
then a van, then a, a camper van, and then a home. <laughs> um, but I, uh, people, when I was sleeping in a van, I was sleeping on the King's Cruise World, and uh, where the cafe used to be on the lay-by there. Romany Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. sleeping there, and um, this it's about one o'clock in the morning, and I was I used to sleep in the back of my car. I took the seats out of the back of the car, and it's one o'clock in the morning, and this these guys pulled up behind me, but and him. It was just drumming bass, boom, 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 coming out of the car. So I woke up and it went on for about half an hour. I thought, right, that's it. So I just jumped in the car, started ignition, and moved to Dorchester. And um, <laughs> and I thought, well, I'm actually lucky because if 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 people are in a home and they've got noisy neighbours, they, yeah. they're stuck. <laughs> but I just and then like someone said, you know, if someone's got a home and their roof caves in, they've got to have the roof fixed. I said, but if I'm laid on a bench and, a be- and the leg falls off, I just go to the next bench. So I mean, so I just would find the humour in everything, yeah. really, and um, and that got me through. And I think, um, and not just stuff that got got me through. When I was selling the big issue, it was almost like I I would do counselling as well. Almost people, I was like a, a brick wall that could listen. So people often people would come up and share their problems with me and stuff like that. You know, it's it's very intense and. Um, and it's and when I was in Barnsby, in fact, because of my issues, I used to put in the big the inserts. I used to put in the big issue, getting to know me really well, but without me getting to know them, if you like. So it was a you know, and so I mean, one woman um, was going to leave me half her house when in her will, and I really had to sort of you know nip that in the bud really because she was forming this relationship with me by by reading my inserts. And she said, she came up to me one day and said, you're like a son to me. And I oh, I barely recognised, knew her. So it's, um, but yeah, so it was, it, and it was it was maybe sort of um, curing some people of, of their bigger, bigger ways or what their, what their thoughts, what their idea of a of big issue man, a homeless person was. It was great to actually change, change those ideas and sh- show them actually, you know, we're okay, really. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I would say, I, 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 <laughs> Never had a conversation with, um, you know, a big issue seller, really. I mean, I bought stuff, yeah. but never really had that conversation. And uh, maybe it's teaching me that, may, may, you know, there's a person there. It's not, uh, you know. Well, when someone's, someone, you see someone on the streets homeless, could be begging, could be selling a big issue. And what gets to me is people actually work out in their head what that guy's all about. But all they're seeing is a single snapshot of a person's life. They don't know. They they know nothing about that person to actually condemn. Um, if they knew, if perhaps if they knew the full story of that person, they'd have sympathy. Not not they you know they give maybe ha- try to help rather than condemn. I mean, I was, was I think I mentioned it in the book. Um, it was when I first went to Plymouth. There was a guy, um, a very well spoken guy. We used to, well we, he was that well spoken. We called him the prof, and he was a, um, a severe alcoholic. Um, I was drinking my big then myself on in the early days, but he he was um, he was what well, it was what people when you say, if people could imagine a picture of a tramp, this what this guy was, and I use a tramp nicely because I don't mind being called a tramp because it simply means you're tramping about, you're travelling. It's not it's not a derogatory although people use it as a derogatory term. It's not. It's just a, a tramp means a person that wanders. Mm. Um, but this guy, the professor, he was. Um, he, he, people would look at him with disgust 
But if they knew, which I, I found out eventually, that um, he was actually a university don in Scotland. And his wife and child came to pick him up from university and were killed in a car crash. Well, the wife died a few days later. And he just went, obviously, you know, his wife and child, his only child have, have been killed in a car crash. And well, some will, would go to pieces, but actually rebuild. He he, he just went to pieces. And, and whilst you, the, um, the job was kept open for him for a while, it wasn't. He'd, he'd lost, lost his job, then he lost his home, and he ended up being a tramp in Plymouth. So, um, you know, who knows? Who knows? Who knows what's behind the story that the face you see on the street? That's very true. Um, so, Graham, what, what's next? Then? So you, the book, the um, retirement. Yeah. Um... Well, I'm 67, and the reason why I, I've just said the reason why I uh, uh, stopped traveling. The main reason why I stopped traveling because I still don't feel comfortable in the home. Not 100% comfortable. I still struggle with being indoors, really. Mm. Um, fortunately, I've got a fantastic partner. He's very patient with me and understands that struggle. Mm. And, and it's very accommodating. But the reason why I stopped traveling, and, um, and as, you're, as we're on hospital radio, is uh, relevant to me, is that um, I developed cancer. And uh, the treatment I got at Torbay Hospital was exemplary. I had a chemotherapy and radiotherapy. And it just it was the smoothest silk the treatment and um, that was uh, five and a half years ago and um, fingers crossed I've been I've been right ever since so um, still yeah so Torbay Hospital did it for me. Yeah, it's good good to hear, Greg. Good to hear. Um, right, well, well, we'll call it a day there. I think. Um, thank you for spending your time uh, telling us a little bit about your story. Um, Graham Walker's book is unsettled. You can still get it. Still available. Um, and... Yeah, might get second-hand copies. Don't I? I think, yeah. I think it's. Sold up apparently, unless my publisher is selling them on the side. I think he might be. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, been a uh, an enlightening chat, um, and um, you know, from big issue seller to uh, author, and there'll be another book coming soon, a crime novel. Yes, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Thank you very much, Graham. Thank you, Paul. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Hospital Radio for Torbay.